millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, social distancers. This is Sam Matterface and welcome to the game day podcast from TalkSport. 21 days without any football and counting. So what have we got for you in our little box of footballing Ferrero Rocher that will make you go, mmm, with every bite? Well, we've got the man who scored the Premier League's fastest ever goal. He's recorded an isolation diary for us. Shane Long of Southampton talks us through his week as a domestic god. Good morning, guys. It's Shane Long here. I just thought over the next week it might be quite nice to do something different. So some short clips seen as there's, there's not any matches just to try and give you a glimpse into everything... I'm getting up to from training and food, family time, keeping occupied, you know, and, and even trying to keep Murphy the dog happy. Also this week, the former Liverpool striker Ian Rush talks to us about his desire to see the season completed. David Brooks lets us in on a guilty pleasure and the latest on the idea of a festival of football to finish the season. Jack Grealish's future in the air and in commentary confinement this week, a man who has been swapping a commentator's lip mic for a recording studio. It's all on the rocking and rolling, air guitar strumming, game day podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. Alex Crook is with me, hello. Hello, good afternoon. Uh, Abject failure at the quiz last Friday night, live on the TalkSport Twitter page. Less than average, I hear. Is that right? Is uh, being at home with a crook clan dimming your reflexes? The questions just didn't fall for me this time round, but I've got to let someone else win from time to time. But you have just told me <laughs> that you're doing a music round this week. That That isn't my specialist subject, so it could be another difficult evening. Would you like me to throw in a steps question just for you? And S Club 7, if you've got one, Boys Own, any of the above. Uh, we have another one on Friday night, 8 o'clock on the TalkSport Twitter page. I must admit, I'm absolutely loving it. Although I was a little bit unsure about the video that I sent out on our social media channels this week where our social media guru, Jamie, had me in a pair of pyjama bottoms, a shirt, a bow tie and a pink feather duster uh, to promote the quiz. Really the kind of thing that I thought was uh, going to drag people in, but you never know. It's what you always wear on Monday, isn't it? Let's get to this week's top stories. Daniel Levy has called for Premier League footballers to do their bit and follow the high-profile stars at Barcelona, Real Madrid and Juventus and take wage cuts. The FA have been urged to reconsider plans to null and void the non-league season for teams in Tier 3-6 to six, with over 65 teams now asking for a rethink. West Ham United insists that if the season has to resume in the summer, an athletics track won't get in the way. The anniversary games is scheduled for the beginning of July, but the Hammers say... Football comes first. Norwich, Newcastle and Spurs are among the first clubs in the Premier League to furlough staff and utilise the government scheme to keep companies afloat. Williams says he wants to stay in the Premier League when his contract ends at Chelsea in the summer after the two failed to come up with a compromise over a new deal. And Manchester United are eyeing up a move for Matthias De Ligt of Juventus with Paul Pogba as a possible make-weight. We will get to all those stories and more in the next few moments. Let's start with Jack Grealish. Oh, Jack, man, what have you done? I know it's dull sitting around doing now and playing FIFA and eating takeaway pizza, but parties, going out for a party. And with all due respect as well, Ross McCormack, not exactly the kind of career path you want to follow. Um, anyway, look, he's youngish. Um, he's still got a lot to learn. He's accepted that he was wrong. So let's not kill him. Here is Jack Grealish's apology after being caught out and about 
in society when he should be in at home on his own, keeping away from everybody like we're all doing, social distancing. Instead, he went to a party, but he has said sorry. Here he is. Hi, everybody. Um, I just want to do a quick video message just to say how deeply embarrassed I am by about what has happened this weekend. Um, I know it's a tough time for everyone at the moment, been locked indoors for so long, and I obviously just got a call off a friend um, asking to go around to his, uh, and I stupidly agreed to do so. I don't want anyone to make the same mistake that I did, so I obviously urge everyone to stay at home and, and follow the rules and the guidelines of what we've been asked to do. Um, I hope everyone can accept my apology and uh, we can move on from this and hopefully, obviously, in the near future, we can all be out enjoying ourselves again um, once this is all um, boiled over. So cheers, guys, and thank you. Not going to harp on about this, Crook, but uh, in normal times, this is irresponsible behaviour. He has done it before, he's got a history of it. And at this crucial time, to be honest with you, it's just downright stupid. Yeah, I think some people have said he's made an error of judgment. I don't see it as an error of judgment. I think it's arrogant. I think it's stupid. I think it's foolish. And and I think it might just jeopardise any hopes that Grealish had of getting himself a, a big move in the summer. I've talked before on this podcast that Manchester United's interest is very serious. That was a move I expected to happen. I think if you're Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now, you have to reevaluate. Is this the type of character that I want at my football club? Is he good for the brand that is Manchester United? Is he going to be a positive influence in the dressing room? It doesn't look great, does it? No, there was a great line for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well this week, which may even been quote of the week. He says, when you're a footballer, you should be proper boring. Um, and I suppose Jack Grealish has highlighted some of his flaws, which I think put people off maybe two, three years ago in taking a chance on him early and allowed him to sort of maybe learn his trade a little bit more and come to the fore at Aston Villa and and even develop a little bit more when he was at Villa Park. But I think we all accepted that this summer was going to be a big summer for him. I just think he's put himself in the shop window for all the wrong reasons. Everybody's looking and talking about him now, but not in a positive light. And I just think you mentioned the word brand, and it's a horrible word when we're talking about football brand. No one really likes the idea of their football club having a brand. But ultimately, you know, football clubs now have got such big PR machines. The last thing they're going to want is someone they can't trust. And if he can't convince Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or anybody else who's potentially going to take him from Villa... Uh, that he can't be trusted. They're not gonna. They're not gonna sacrifice that sort of money on on a player like that, are they? No. And there's been a lot of furore from various pundits and and journalists and football fans in general asking why Gareth Southgate hasn't taken a chance on Jack Grealish so far. There's no doubting his talent, and he would bring something different to the England team. So I think Paul Gascoigne-esque, dare we say? But I think we're now seeing why Gareth Southgate hasn't taken that chance. And and the most disappointing thing is that until that point, he seemed to have really grown up on the pitch this season. He had that reputation when Villa were last in the Premier League of, of being a bit of a spoiled brat. There were one or two misdemeanours off the pitch. We haven't heard about that this season. On the face of it, he'd been the model pro. He was the captain. He was trying to lead his boyhood club to Premier League survival. He led them out in a Wembley Cup final. And this is really disconcerting to read and see the pictures. It is indeed. Uh, someone who definitely is at home, staying rather bored, but quite happy about that in a odd way, is David Brooks, the Bournemouth midfielder and Welsh international. But he is using his time more furtively, isn't he? He has spoken to you this week about his injury and about how the th- delay to the Euros might help him. But also, Crookie, he's been talking about how he's passing the time. Yeah, this was a great interview, actually. And I actually uh, spoke to Bournemouth afterward and said he was really good because when I interviewed him, after his debut at the start of last season, he wasn't particularly confident with the media. And I said, as he had some training and the press officer came back and said, no, I think he was just bored and he wanted someone to speak to, <laughs> even me. He um, was that bored and he, even speak to you. <laughs> and he gave a really good insight uh, into what most footballers who aren't Jack Grealish uh, are doing to pass the time at home. Well, I think, I think it's the same for all of us. We're all just cooped up in the house, probably kicking a little football around. I'd be lying if I said, no, I just haven't downloaded that uh, Disney TV, to be honest. I think uh, the boredom's real kicked in. Netflix has got a bit dry, so I think I'll have to catch up on High School Musical or some of the Marvel movies. The other day, I was just—I think I had a full day just watching Premier League years and just going through them. But yeah, I've been trying to get the football fixed, but it's it's hard to it's hard to get involved when you know the score before it's even started. I'm a big fan of the Premier League years. What what's your favourite sort of era? Have you got a particular season? Probably the the rivalries between obviously Man U, Arsenal. 
and uh, like the Thierry Henry type when the Cristiano Ronaldo was dropping in and things like that. I think that's probably where I enjoyed obviously growing up watching that type of football. High School Musical, is that a new thing? I suppose it is, isn't it? There's a new series on Disney Plus because that's just came out over the last couple of weeks and they're furnishing it with sort of rehashes of old sort of, I suppose I say old films, but High School Musical isn't that old. Although I remember my daughter watching it when she was about 10 or something. So it's probably a good decade ago. Uh, but you, have you ever been a High School Musical fan? It wouldn't be my viewing of choice. I do like one or two of the songs going back to uh, my musical taste. <laughs> <laughs> I did recommend Mandalorian, though, um, to David Brooks, which which is, I know, much more your type of yeah. taste as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been watching that. I've uh, binge-watched already the first three episodes that are available on Disney+. Plus. Uh, my son really likes it. He's only three. He gets really excited about it. And uh, he's big on the helmet, but also on Baby Yoda, or what he's calling Baby Yoda. We don't know if that's his real name or not. I doubt it is. Um, shall we revisit our old friend, What Happens Next?, uh, on Tuesday, there was an ambitious plan leaked uh, of starting the season in May and finishing it by July the 12th. Then there was this idea floated, dismissed, but then revisited about the possibility of staging all the games in one place with players in isolation in order to get the season completed. I spoke to Liverpool legend Ian Rush this week, who says that although the main concern must be health, finishing the season is only fair. You know, I think it'd be a nightmare, especially if you're a Liverpool fan. I'm sure if you're other fans, they'd be happy. But um, I think as a, as a Liverpool fan, you know, all the hard work that they put in, um, you know, we, we don't know because uh, when you look at what's happening, we, um, again, it's like when you look at the Hillsborough and things like that, you know, we've got this thing now. Death, you know, when people are dying, you know, football's secondary. I'd have to say football is secondary because the, you know, the, the NHS, what the, what job they're doing is fantastic now, but we must abide by what they say, stay at home and all that. And that. But uh, I think it'll be, uh, you know, it'll be really hard uh, for Liverpool supporters to take in if it wasn't all avoid. Do you think that whatever happens, we should try and play out the season? 100%, yeah. You know, I think uh, I'd like it, no, when whether it's behind closed doors, whatever. But I think the, the season should be finished. You no, know? and I think when you look at the Euros now being put back a year or so, um, it gives us time to do something. And uh, no, even if you do play the summer, I do feel that the, the season has to be finished. Rushy King to point out that um, health must come first. But what do you make of this idea about festivals of football somewhere? It sounds like a bit of a fantasy game and did so initially, but there seems to be a bit of traction building. Some people sort of dismissing it out of hand as if it's sort of a bit self-interested, but others actually now thinking that it might take hold. There's plans to take it to Qatar or somewhere safe being mooted. What do you think? I can't see the Qatar thing um, getting off the ground. Bearing in mind that we're not allowed to travel anywhere at the moment. I mean, when is that ban going to be lifted on, on traveling around the world? When are airports going to be reopened I, I just do you know what I think the more I think about this I would love the season to finish and I've said on this podcast before I think for the integrity of the game it has to be played to a conclusion in terms of uh, promotions and relegation and European places but I think there's too much chat now you know there we love football we can't wait to see it back but there are bigger things happening in the world and there's a moral issue here as well that while the Premier League basically are trying to salvage the season not necessarily because of its integrity, but because they don't want to have to pay back £750 million worth of television money. But, you know, when people are struggling to make ends meet, when people have been sent home on 80% wages, when some people have lost their jobs and their livelihoods altogether, when others are seriously ill, is it the most important thing to get the Premier League season no. finished? I think they're going to have to really look at that uh, when they have their meeting on Friday. And I know one or two clubs are really starting to take their moral obligation very seriously now. And in terms of this festival of football in the UK, be that in Birmingham or in London, I know certainly one of my clubs, Brighton, uh, along the south coast from me, have deep reservations about that. They just don't think it's feasible uh, to get all the Premier League players cooked up in, in hotels for a month in isolation before the football can restart. They don't think the quality of the pitches uh, will hold up. They think... The program will be too intense. Players will be getting injured. So I, I think there's, there's there's big issues. And I, at the moment, I don't think anybody has come up with a perfect solution. Well, no one's going to come up with a perfect solution because it doesn't exist. The perfect solution does not exist. And then the idea that one of the reasons not to do it is because the quality of the pitches might not hold sounds to me particularly ludicrous. I think you're absolutely right about a moral 
issue where it, it isn't that important. The overall scheme of things, football isn't that important. We all know that health and well-being of people is much more important. But you mentioned about the finance situation and I'm not just talking about the Premier League here but the Premier League is also a massive tax revenue generator for the government I know that the government have already intimated that they want the Premier League to restart because it gives a big slice of the general public the opportunity to be distracted by something and we talk about the idea of um, standing to lose 760 million quid in broadcasting uh, contract revenue but you can understand why businesses, and all businesses are making decisions based on their futures and, and what happens going forward. You can understand why they're considering trying to get these things done. Because ultimately, in the next few weeks, we hope that we will reach the peak of this coronavirus crisis. If indeed we do what Jeremy Hunt, the chairman of the Health Select Committee, has advised, which is test people rigorously like they have done in Germany, like they've done in Singapore, like they've done in a lot of the... Asian countries where life is not normal but it's getting back to normal slowly because of the way that they've they've handled the crisis then you can see a path forward over the next few months where actually it does become legitimate to start putting on some of these events albeit probably behind closed doors um and I, and I think that's just it's a bit churlish for, for football clubs not to sort of take the other side of the argument, there are other responsibilities that actually there is a wider social impact on on getting back to normality for people mentally. It's those that are in isolation and that are are lonely and would like things to do, um, that, that they've got to sacrifice certain things. And if that means that the pitches aren't perfect, or that instead of being in isolation in a uh, in a house uh, of your choosing for three weeks, it's actually a hotel room, then. I think I think there's sometimes there's sacrifices that are worth making. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, and I know that there's the other sort of human interest level where you're sort of talking about players being cooped up away from their families, and I get that too, and I and, and I can understand that some players might not want to take part in it. But I think what we've got to understand is is either we write off the entire season and don't start again until August, which is I think probably a fifty fifty possibility now, or we have to make some sacrifices and those sacrifices are not going to be, um, oh, someone's got to change their kit or someone's got to um, play with a certain type of football. It's going, they're going to be big challenges. They're going to be like, this This squad isn't going to have the requisite number of internationals that it, it, it thought it was going to have or it's going to be, we're going to have to play everything in Birmingham or we're going to have to play everything in Qatar. Look, it's, it's not perfect, but... These players go the on. The guitar thing isn't, isn't going to happen. You, you it may not happen, but you can't but tell you people could, to stay in their own countries and then and then ask twenty sets. Of I Premier totally agree, but, you, to go but there's to nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with Premier League exec- executives sitting around a table saying, "Right, what can we do?" Spitballing ideas yep. and ideas coming out all over the place. Just because someone's spoken about it doesn't mean it's going to happen. The idea of getting around a table and coming up with solutions to a massive problem starts with people coming up with outlandish and ambitious solutions and eventually you work your way to something which everybody finds palatable hopefully we can do that if we can't then the season will be null and voided and I don't know what the implications are for that because I think if you think that the legal challenges to the possibility of not ending the season are going to be difficult to manage imagine what it's going to be like if you're denying Leeds or West Brom or Fulham or anybody else, the opportunity to come up to the Premier League and the riches that that takes. Football's got itself into a bit of a sticky issue here in that the Premier League is the the promised land, the golden destination that everybody wants to get to and is quite happy to resolutely refuse to, to, to leave. And in circumstances like this, I'm sure if you're Brighton or you're Bournemouth or you're uh, Watford or you're Aston Villa, if you're Norwich City, you're doing everything you can to ensure this season ends with no relegation. Right, this is Sam Matavez and Alex Crook. We've got the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. And this is really exciting. Um, last week, we were discussing ideas, a bit like the Premier League chief executives around the table, throwing out landish ideas around. What can we do to entertain whilst we're in lockdown? And uh, it was a suggestion, uh, I think, from you, Crook, that we ask a Premier League player to record a isolation diary. And you approached Southampton and they came up trumps, didn't they? Um, Shane Long, who is the uh, man who scored the fastest ever goal in the Premier League, has spent this week 
uh, detailing his activities whilst he social distances. Here he is. So today is day one, Thursday the 26th of March. And I'm going to focus on my training regime. Since we've been given individual plans by the sports science guys just to, to keep our fitness up, so I've got different tailored exercises for my body. I'm lucky as well that the club have given me some equipment. They've given me a watt bike and I have some weights myself. They've given me, you can see over there, rollers and there's the watt bike behind me, you know, just to, to allow me to keep different areas of my body active. You know, the sports science guys check in with us every day on, on WhatsApp and FaceTime and we talk to my progress, which is useful. Just to give you some examples over the past couple of days, on on Tuesday we done we done four one kilometer max efforts, which they turned into a, a bit of a competition. They, they made a league table. And then um, yesterday we done five, 10 and 20 meter shuttle runs, just to get a bit of speed, followed by a 5K run, which was horrible. I've been using the weights as well to do lower body and upper body and just to keep muscle mass and, you know, there's a bike session coming up later on in the week, so um, yeah, not looking forward to that. You know, it's enough to, to keep my legs going and, and get a good sweat on them. Unfortunately, there's no shortcuts here. Over and out, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. So day two, Friday the 27th of March. It's been lovely outside once again and my daily training that I mentioned yesterday is done and dusted for the day so I'm out in the garden just relaxing here and, and getting a bit of fresh air. It's it's about five to seven in the evening, that means dinner time in the long household. So um I'm gonna to talk to you about about food and uh what what I'd eat on a on a day to day basis. Um you know normally us footballers we're, we're, we're lucky, especially at Staplewood, we come in and um we've chefs there, nutritionists there and you know, all our food, our breakfast and our lunches is, is prepared for us. You know, it's it's all um, exactly what we need to perform out in the pitch. And, um, you know, we don't have that luxury now, so it's down to us to, to look after ourselves. And luckily for me, I, I'm, I'm quite into cooking. I wouldn't say I'm a master chef or anything like that, but I, I do enjoy uh, cooking dinner for the family and that. And, you know, it, it's, um, it's something that I take to very easy, so... I'll just tell you what I'd what I'd have on a normal basis and for breakfast I'd have a, an omelette or some you know low fat yogurt with fruit and granola and honey and you know different options like that Health, healthy meals with, with low carbs and come to lunchtime I'd have um, you could have rice or a pasta as your carb with meat and you know the the less fattening you have but you need your carbs and, and protein in there just to have the energy throughout the day and and to do the the runs that I, that I was talking about yesterday, and in the evening I try and tail off, tail off the carbs. Then I'd I'd have a bit of meat and veg again, or um, even maybe another omelet, or just something that that's low in carbs as well. Because even though we are working hard, it's probably not the same as what we do in a football pitch. So um, yeah, we we've got nutritionists at the club that tell us what we should be eating every day, which is nice, and it's up to us to look after ourselves, and you know um. I'm not getting any younger, so I need to make sure that I'm on top of my diet so that when we do come back, whenever that is, that I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, so there you go. A little look at my uh, culinary expertise during this period. I wouldn't hold your breath for a, for a Shane Long cookbook anytime soon, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it in the kitchen, so I'm, I'm enjoying these few weeks. So um, yeah, now I'm off for dinner. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope you like this one. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June too is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. No football means not much work for our team of illustrious reporters, our game day stalwarts who trek heartily up and down the country every week for talk sport, but are now confined to the house. Let's check in with one of them now and see how they are handling their commentary confinement. Uh, Ian Danter, who usually commentates on our Premier League 3pm kickoffs over on talk sport 2, does a lot of EFL games for us on talk sport 2 as well, but also has another persona. Uh- I like it, I like it, it's really nice. Ian Dante, you little devil. And that's you doing everything, isn't it? You're you're sitting, you're playing the drums, the bass, the lead guitar, everything. I yeah, you know, I've known about your musical talents, but it's, it's right to bring them to the wider world now, I think. It is when you're, you know, stuck indoors and thinking, right, I need to do something <laughs> creative. So what better thing to, than to, um, you know, get out the old guitar and have a have a jam session. That That's that's a song that goes back, uh, that's five years old now, that song. It came out on my second solo album. And yes, I did do everything. Every band I've ever been in, the rest of the band members have all hated me, particularly guitarists, because I'm normally the drummer in the band, and I bring all these songs in and show the guitarists how to play the song that I've written, and they hate it. Yeah, they hate me for that, it. You're a bit of a smart ass when it comes to Yes, uh, unfortunately, when it comes to music, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll, 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 I'll happily admit that. <laughs> um, what are you doing then at the moment? Are you, re- are you sitting in the bedroom recording a new album, or are you coming up with yes. songs about is- isolation and social distancing? <laughs> Uh, well, the, uh, the the album is in progress. You're right. There's no songs about um, about self isolation. Although I couldn't, there could be a hasty rewrite coming lyric wise for for one of the songs. But yes, um, album number three. Actually, in fairness, album number three got started during our summer break last year. I went to a very famous recording studio in South Wales, Mono Valley, which is uh, affiliated to the Rockfield. Uh, studios of old, which is where and, and Mono Valley is where bands like Manic Street Preachers, Oasis, Black Sabbath uh, have all recorded. And I got to record my drums there for all these songs I had in mind because there's nothing better than having live drums on an album rather than, you know, off a drum machine or an electronic kit. And this studio has a wonderful, big, expansive live room where I could set my drums up and make proper noise uh, and with some beautiful old tube microphones and that was the basis for it so now i'm at home and uh, in this lockdown that we're in it gives me a chance to put all the guitar parts down that i haven't had a chance to do yet and hopefully the vocals what gives you more pleasure dance commentating on on a big game a cup final a world cup or recording in the studio two totally different things that go on in your brain i think alex that there's nothing to replace the the sheer unknown of doing a football commentary because you you cannot know what's about to happen next. The law of the unknown is a wonderful thing. Each game that you commentate on is a unique sporting spectacle. When it comes to this sort of creativity, it's it's entirely different and and, and exactly the same sort of joy. But you know you, you're and in in my case, I'm very self reliant on what I do. I'm not relying on any other 
musicians at this point. I'm doing it all myself. So I'm my own worst critic. Um, you know, I, I'm completely on my own. But it's 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 a different skill set, uh, and I, I love them both, Alex. I, I I think the commentary probably wins out simply because it's it's such an immediate unknown thing, and having to react to things that you weren't expecting is is a is something that well that 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 never leaves you. That that excitement, that frisson of excitement, never leaves you. Um, how would you describe the music? Is what prog rock, bit like Kiss, bit like Def Leppard? Don't get offended. Mm. No, don't. That's fine. Look, Kiss and Def Leppard, two bands I absolutely love. You, most uh, listeners to Talk Sport will know about my love for Kiss in particular. I was in a Kiss tribute band for five years, for goodness sake, wearing the makeup and the 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 the, the high heels. Have, um, you, have you have you have you decided to get that garb out again just for you know jokes whilst you're on your own in your house, just just <laughs> done the makeup and put the old jumpsuit on, just I, 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 just because you've got nothing watch- else to do. I did wash the jumpsuit after I last used it, so it's you know it's it's there. Um, although it's all in the loft, I, I haven't had the, the temptation hasn't been quite that strong yet to drag it down out the oh, loft. Oh, we've got a few weeks up. yet, pal. <laughs> Very true. It might well happen. But um, the music comes from so many different places. Yes, a bit of Kiss, but. Um, that particular song you played, We Believed, is very much a homage to a, a band I loved in the early 90s called Jellyfish, who not many people have heard of. They were a San Francisco four-piece band with a, a singing drummer. The lead singer stood up and played drums. Stood up and played drums. Imagine that, seeing them play live. And they were a band that were like every second-generation Beatles band you've ever heard, thrown together like Queen, 10cc, Supertramp, Cheap Trick, ELO, Bands like that, all thrown together into the same melting pot. I love music like that. Um, but what I try and do with my stuff is not just that, but, yeah, you know, classic rock and, and you know, good old meat and potatoes, guitar and bass and drums and, and vocals over the top. Um, I, I love a good riff, a bit like um, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath, who, who's the best riff writer there's ever been. I do like a nice riff. Uh, one of the things I've missed, Dance, during this period is the interaction with players and managers. I'm someone who goes to a lot of press conferences in the build-up to every Premier League weekend. Of course, you do your own impressions. Have you been holding your own press conferences at home where you're pretending to be both manager and journalist? <laughs> that's a great idea. I think I think once I finish speaking to you, I think that's the first thing I should do before I even put the kettle on. You could do, um, I don't know, who's your best manager, your best current manager? You can do Roy. Best current. Um, Brucey. Did you do Brucey? Yeah, well, you know, Steve Bruce is one that, uh, you know, I've done for quite some time and, uh, you know, he's become... Something of a friend. So you could, you could, you could do Steve Bruce and an interchange with Graham Courtney, couldn't you? I mean, well, that you're would absolutely be a- right. It's one of those as well. It's one of those where Graham Courtney, <laughs> he's got so many questions, he really has. And uh, you have to say you're absolutely right. And uh, well, Steve, you know, you're a good friend. But cheers, Graham. It's it's nice to know that I've got you in my contacts book, and we can talk about cars and more cars and maybe three points on Saturday. And, uh, <laughs> Not on your license, though. He does love cars as well, doesn't he? Graham loves his cars. Yeah, Graham does love... Well, he writes for car magazines. He does. I mean, there's times I've seen Graham pull up in car parks and the most unlikely things. I went (laughs) up to do a game for TalkSport up at Sunderland and there's a big cinder car park that you used to park on about half a mile from the Stadium of Light. And I parked there in my little Focus. I've just got, you know, run-of-the-mill little um, one-and-a-half-litre thingy. And he, he arrived 30 seconds after I did in a Bentley Continental V6. This thing was like a tank. And he pulls it onto the cinder car park and he gets out. It, it just stood out like a sore thumb from all these hatchbacks in the car park. He gets out the car and says, do you know what? I had to go to a press conference at Hull yesterday. It cost me £60 in petrol to get there and back. Uh, so I, I had no sympathy for him. But he gets these cars every few weeks to go and review. It's, it does. What, what a life that must be. Um, you've got a new comedy podcast out as well, haven't you? What's that about? Yeah, uh, a, a, new po- a new podcast, yeah. Uh, it's called Ian Danter's Barmy Old Podcast. And um, much like you guys who had your you know, previous life in local radio, right? Uh, you, you know, you had that. I had a previous life as a, not only a football commenter on lo- commentator on local radio, but also as a presenter of a kind of a, a comedy drive time show on both BRMB and Heart FM. And so this podcast that I've launched last week, it's called Ian Danter's Barmy Old Podcast. You'll find it on Apple and Spotify. 
just by searching that. It's old sketches and, and songs. So you'll hear from the likes of Steve Bruce and David O'Leary, who were uh, managers on, in the Midlands patch back in the day. Uh, our unreleased, unheard Mr. Men stories narrated by Arthur Lowe uh, and, and much more besides. It's just intended to put a bit of a smile on people's faces at, at, at this time with this little podcast. It's good fun. It's a bit, I've got about 120 mini-discs, lads, full wow. of all my sketches and songs. I used yeah, to mini love discs, mini discs. I, lo- I used yeah, to love I know, mini discs. They were very they were easy. All right. Yeah, they were easy to use, weren't they? But the problem was, is every now and again, after about a week and a half, the the mini disc player would delete something that you really didn't want it to delete, and you couldn't get it back after that. And that was a right yeah. pain in the backside. Yeah, that's that's very true. I had a portable one I used for uh, manager interviews, but it yeah. it, uh, it 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 blew up on me spectacularly one day at St Andrews, I think. But yeah, so all these mini discs, about a hundred and twenty of them, full of. Uh, you know, a lot of crud, but in amongst the crud, there's some good stuff that I've been able to dig out and um, and put on the first two episodes. But we are going to write some new stuff as well. Me and my pal Sean, who who uh, who was the writer with me on the uh, on the previous show. So as the podcasts go on, there'll be new stuff to mix in amongst the uh, the old stuff. Good stuff. Listen, uh, enjoy your commentary confinement. Um, and we, we, you know, if it does get as bad as as we think it might do, it goes on beyond six weeks and maybe into two months. Please send us a selfie in full kiss garb. We'd love to see it. <laughs> okay, you're on. I'll, I'll, I'll wash the wig then, just in case. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you don't need that. Uh, see you later. Thank you very much. I'll see you in Danta. Uh, in April 1999, the Champions League was coming to its climax. The semi-final stage, Juventus had drawn Manchester United and they picked up an all-important away goal from the first leg at Old Trafford. That game finished 1-1, but the second leg at the Stadio dell'Alpi was set up to be a classic between two European giants and believe me, it did not disappoint. Zidane guides it in, inside he was there! game that was what a comeback where were you watching it because I can imagine that you were wearing some sort of Manchester United pair of pajamas or shirt <laughs> that hadn't been washed for five years and you know how old were you probably about what 20 at the time something like that uh, I would have been 16 actually and oh, I really? remember watching no not that stone game. not stone how old were you? <laughs> I remember watching that game and the final itself at home. Actually, the final itself, I did change my socks uh, when United were 1-0 down. And, of course, they came back to win 2-1. So that was all thanks to my uh, change of footwear. Uh, didn't do anything like that in, uh, in the semi-final. It is my favourite ever United game because I was absolutely distraught 20 minutes in after Inzaghi had scored those two goals. But the, the comeback from United was, was even more impressive than the final in many ways because that was a proper Juventus side as well. We, we seem to draw Juventus in the Champions League every year and almost never beat them. So to come back from 2-0 down, Turin on their own patch, Roy Keane uh, with a majestic performance, knowing that he would be suspended for the final, having picked up that yellow card. York and Cole were unplayable. Uh, Dennis Irwin hit the post, actually, he did. Um, as well. It, it was a sensational game and one that still raises a smile. Yeah, and I thought one of the great things about it was just how Manchester United didn't wilt despite those first two goals. I mean, they were so early in the game. I, you know, So I suppose, in a sense, that there was always that feeling because they had so much confidence at the time and they were on that magnificent run where they were just beating everybody. It was just game after game after game. Every two, three days, there was another game coming 
at them thick and fast um, that they had that belief they could draw on those experiences that they've had of, of winning games like that they were just a brilliant football team and, 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 and this shouldn't be underestimated this Juventus side they had Antonio Conte in that team they had Deschamps in that team Edgar Davids in that team Inzaghi we've already mentioned and Zidane now a lot of the chatter around this match um, I don't think he started in that match did he? Don't know. Maybe he came off the bench. But anyway, the, um, the, the 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 Dan chat was that he was not at his best and he was he was injured or something like that in in that game. I'm not. I I, I don't want to like dampen the significance of his performance, but I just think it doesn't matter how well he was playing on the day. There's no way you were stopping that Manchester United train. It certainly felt like that from the outside looking in. Yeah, they just had tremendous belief, and in in, in lots of ways, that game in Shirin was almost emblematic of the season in general they were uh, seconds away from going out of the FA Cup to Liverpool 1-0 down at home Michael Owen had scored they scored twice Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with a winner in stoppage time having drawn home and away against Barcelona uh, drew with Bayern Munich but it was sweating right up until the last minute of that final group game then they beat Inter Milan then they swatted Juventus aside and of course the final itself um, when they staged that amazing comeback in stoppage times. It was just a brilliant time to be a Manchester United fan. I have to confess, uh, as we've probably all done now, uh, we look back on on, on old footage and, and nostalgic stuff. I've watched the Treble DVD twice um, during this lockdown and it never gets boring. Um, have, did you have the Treble winning kit? Yes. And not only that, I've got... <laughs> So I had the treble winning kit, which obviously doesn't fit me anymore because uh, I might be a bit bigger than 16 stone these days. I've got a uh, 1999 European Cup final shirt signed by Teddy Sheringham. That was almost the last act he did as a Portsmouth player. His last day at the training ground, I got him to sign that shirt. And I've also got an adult version of the kit that I can now wear to match as well. So basically, I've got the shirt three times. And the, um, the, the Teddy Sheringham thing, you asked him to sign it, right? But that day, he wasn't in a particularly good mood. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, you... <laughs> were taking advantage of your position as a journalist and swooping in knowing that he was leaving but he didn't think he was leaving until that day and he was told by Milan Mandaric that they weren't going to extend his contract and he was majorly majorly hacked off uh, and I remember he walked over to me because we'd had quite a good relationship because we'd been um, uh, we'd been doing some programs together and he said I'm not talking to anybody else but you want to record this and record this now and he was pretty stark he just unloaded about the fact that he was so furious that he thought he was going to get a contract and then Milan Mandric didn't give him one. But I suppose Teddy was at that age where he maybe his impact would have lessened in the second season, but he was magnificent for the season he was down at Fratton Park, as he was in that treble winning season as well. Okay, let's get to the second part of our diary with Shane Long, the Southampton player who's been taking us through life uh, as he social distances and doesn't go to training. He says one of the things he misses most is game day. So the weekend has arrived. It's Saturday the 28th of March. Ordinarily, Saturday is the day I'd, I'd associate with game day. You know, the buzz, the prep, the fans, the noise, the routines, and obviously being out on the pitch with the other guys and in the dressing room with them all. But uh, for the correct reasons, I suppose, it's, it's obviously not, not like that at the moment. That doesn't mean that there isn't camaraderie still in the group and, and we aren't all in touch. So today I thought I'd bring you up to speed with how we're all keeping in contact. Uh, I guess footballers are, are no different to, to everyone else. I imagine most of you use WhatsApp and um, we're all on there too. We've various groups, a player group, just for the players only, and then groups for various different schedules and purposes, whether that being training schedules or player appearances, media obligations or travel schedules or for away games and that. I'm not exaggerating, but at a time like this, uh, these groups have have become crucial. Normally the player chat is, is full of crack really, playing pranks on people, taking the mick out of someone for suspect Instagram posts like like Pierre doing a Tyler Roll challenge in his full Denmark kit or dodgy clothing choices you name it you know it, it's it's in there we've got a lively bunch but they're they're lively in a good way with everything that has been going on in a wider society I won't lie it's, it's been pretty subdued in recent weeks we're mainly just just checking on each other and and family and that that said it's, it's important to remain positive and so we've still been having a laugh where we can you know 
Fitness wise, we've got an app called Team Builder, which we log on to and it has our individual sessions for the week on there. Warm up drills, weight sessions, fitness sessions, which is it's a great way for the sports science team to keep in touch with every player and, and to make sure we're ready to go when we return. Thinking of it, I suppose a small positive out of this whole crisis is, is the fact that I'm getting to spend more time with my wife and kids and find myself being in contact with my family and friends back in Ireland more often because life hasn't been taken over by football and school runs and after school clubs, you know. I suppose a crisis makes you appreciate everyone around you that little bit more. Anyways, as I'm speaking, I just had a flood of messages pop up so I, I better see what's kicking off in the group. So that's all for now and I'll be back for another clip tomorrow. Brilliant. Great stuff from uh, Shane Long. And we're going to have more of that, aren't we, next week? Because he did record so much that we thought, rather than sort of play it all out in one go, we'll give you a taste of what it's like this week and then we'll put some more out uh, next week as well. But thank you very much to him and thank you very much to Southampton Football Club as well. Uh, other stories to touch on. Uh, this marvellous idea of the Grand National being staged virtually and being broadcast by ITV. Those of us who have a particular fondness for the horses will be relatively pleased. Uh, there's a top presentation team. The graphics are great and it follows the success of FIFA tournaments and the e-NASCAR racing in the United States, which has been very popular. The virtual Bahrain Grand Prix went well as well. I think it had 280,000 viewers that. Uh, bets are being capped and profits from bookies are also going to good causes which again sort of acts like a unifying um, factor doesn't it and something that the nation can get behind and bring people together um, it's a day where usually people sit down and watch their tv will you be watching that crook yeah absolutely uh, again a little bit of normality um, itv have done this for a couple of years now actually normally on the friday night before the main race itself and uh, as you say they put it together uh, really well it has given a couple of pointers um, in recent years but obviously there's no big race to, to give pointers for but yeah I'll have a bet you know it, again it'll just be um, a little bit of normality in our living room on Saturday it'll be limited as well they're not allowing you to put any more than £10 on are they so I think that's uh, that's also a good thing it's uh, it's been managed really well sometimes these things can sort of look as if they're being done to sort of I don't know, replace a sporting event and, and some income. But actually, this has been put together really well and a lot of the profits are going to go to the NHS and good causes. So uh, congratulations to them for putting that together and well done to ITV for putting it on at a time where everybody will be able to access it. Um, transfer gossip never too far away from the sports pages. Even in these strange times, Manchester United have been linked with a move for Matthias Delict, who 18 months ago was the darling of European football. He was at Ajax and everyone was trying to sign him, but he hasn't had a great season under Maurizio Sarri. No shock there. Uh, Rumours he could be a make weight in a Pogba deal. Would you take him? Uh, not on the form of this season, um, but clearly the way he was playing before that and for Holland as well at the Nations League, uh, he is a terrific talent, possibly has just found the step up a little bit too daunting, but he fits the Solskjaer mould, doesn't he? A, a young player, seems a good pro. Listen, I'd take anybody for Pogba, to be honest. The sooner Pogba leaves the building, the better. Um, when I first read this, I thought, nice little story. Then I thought about it in more detail. Aaron Wambasaka has said that Manchester United head chef Mike Donnelly is delivering nutritious meals to players to keep them healthy during the lockdown. Great. And if it keeps Mike in a job, I'm all for it. But can you really not cook for yourself? Seriously? I mean, if Crook can cook and he can't plug a microphone into a socket, then surely Aaron Wambasaka can cook or he could at least use the time to learn how to cook. Challenge yourself, man. I mean, I've been cooking this week. Have you been cooking this week? You, you actually do quite like cooking. I mean, you cook like things that I would never eat, like shepherd's pie and cottage pie and like roast dinners. Not fish for me. Pie. No, yeah, not fish for me. Pie. No. Did a lovely roast beef on, uh, on Sunday. Homemade Yorkshire puddings, homemade roast potatoes, nice, nice spot of beef, uh, roasted vegetables. I've done a spaghetti bolognese this week. I'm doing surf and turf tonight. Nice bit of steak. Oh, uh, nice bit of haddock as well. So, yeah, I, I, listen, that's the one benefit, I suppose, because normally I don't get a chance to cook a Sunday roast because I'm out working. But definitely every Sunday during this lockdown, there'll be a crookie roast on the table for the wife. Okay. Um, I, I haven't quite gone as meat and two veg as you. Um, I've gone uh, aubergine lasagna. So we try not to have too many carbs, a bit like uh, what Shane Long has been telling us, you know, um, you know, 
not too many carbs. So aubergine instead of the pasta layers in, in my lasagna. And I am the omelette king. I made my son an omelette this morning. I've got this lovely little omelette pan. I take great pride in making it sort of fluff up and being all sort of, you know, really delectable when you cut it into chicken, jalapenos, onion, tomato, and cheese. Yeah, again, you know, just the omelette, no bread to go with it, you know, trying to cut the carbs down, you know what I mean? No. <laughs> Didn't think so. Uh, the Belarusian Premier League is still going, just about, although Thief Pro have slammed its continuation. They ain't stupid, are they? They know exactly what they're doing. They know no, they're the only one going, so they've scheduled all eight of their fixtures this weekend at different times, which means you can stagger for your viewing pleasure. The likes of Dinamo Minsk against Torpedo Belaz Zordinho. That's on Friday night, but you can still watch three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday, including Vdebsk and uh, Smolovici STI. I don't know what the STI stands for. I'm not Sounds going near a bit it. Dodgy, that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the Belarusian Premier League is still going strong. So I don't know where you can get it. I'm sure it's probably on available on some sort of like bookmaker site or something like that. But uh, I think it's probably worth streaming. Um, okay, that's it for this week's show. We'll be back uh, the same time next week with all the big bits of news for you and then the silly smiley bits as well to keep you happy as you stay home and save lives. Crook, have a good week. And you. And uh, if you want to do the Matterface football pub quiz on Friday night, it will be on the TalkSport Twitter page. So make sure you join us for that. You could end up winning yourself a prize. Crook, pay attention this week, yeah? The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 